everybody. Welcome to the Dry Life Podcast. I'm Kayla, and I'm your host. You may know me as the founder of 1000 Hours Dry. If you're new, welcome. We're all about the alcohol-free lifestyle here. And today, I'm interviewing Maria, who is actually a co-host of 1000 Hours Dry. Um, Maria? Hi. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about how you got into the alcohol-free lifestyle? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Maria. I am 24 years old. I am originally from Kansas, but I live in Dallas, Texas right now with my husband and two dogs and cat. Um, I'm a finance professional as well as a marathon runner and um, a Dallas fitness ambassador. So I'm really into like the health and wellness um, community here in Dallas. And I've been alcohol free for almost, it'll be two months tomorrow. Um, It's so crazy. And really what kind of got me into the alcohol free life was I, I, kind of knew I had an issue with alcohol really early on. So I started drinking at 18 um, and it became a problem really fast. So I was 23 Mm -hmm. when I stopped. I just turned 24. Um, So it was only a few, really like a handful of years that it just kind of progressively got worse. The anxiety, the hangovers, the mistakes I would make, the things I would do, um, the consequences I would have to face. It just all was progressively getting worse. Um, And so I kind of woke up one day and I was like, it was of course after a long night of drinking Mm -hmm. and I, and I just kind of like looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, I have to change. Like something has to change. Um, and I had always been told from like therapists and family and people and friends like, Hey, like maybe you should reevaluate your relationship with alcohol. Um, and Mm -hmm. it never, I never felt like it was a problem. I felt like my drinking habits were normal. I felt like, I was doing exactly what everyone who was 22 and 23 years old was doing. And maybe I was just, maybe I would get a little bit drunker, but I wasn't able to like fully see the problem of it until it was just like the anxiety was eating me alive, basically. Well, I can 100% relate. I also got sober at 23 and so I'm 27. Um, But I want to pinpoint something you said, which was, You know, it was hard to kind of evaluate alcohol as maybe something maladaptive in your life because it was normal. And that was something that was big for me, too, because, you know, up until I think from, you know, 18 to 22, I was at a four year university, a big college football, you know, team, big Mm -hmm. drinking culture. And so I kind of call it the breeding ground because, you know, it's very acceptable, I think, in our society and in our college culture to binge drink, to black out, you know, to misbehave and maybe get arrested or you right. know, sleep, sleep around, do whatever. You know, it's entertaining. That's why we have things like Barstool Sports that like highlight, you know, drunk people <laughs> right. doing stupid shit. So, you know, it's all fun and games for those four years, but it's kind of like you're in this bubble where you don't really evaluate what you're doing because like you said everybody else is doing it it's fine it's fun 
you know, you're young, your body can handle what you're doing. Not maybe not everybody, but you know, you're able to, I, at least me, I, I could get up for the 9am tailgate the next oh, morning, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, and puke and rally, puke and rally, maybe do some drugs, whatever I need to, you know, keep for going. sure. But I mean, do you think that college culture like was part of, you know, the reason that you couldn't really see what was going on? I think part of it. So I went to a division two school. So it was a four year university, um, but it was a dry campus. So it wasn't like, like it wasn't as big of a party school necessarily, but it was only 20, 25 minutes from a really big party school that I would spend a lot of time at. Mm. Um, So I would go over there, which then was leading me to like, driving after I was drinking and doing things that like really like I was I was going to a different city to do it so it wasn't yeah was even more unsafe but I I do think that just the going out Thursday through Sunday and drinking at 9 a.m and like yeah I think all of that definitely contributed to a bigger problem and it definitely kind of got me hooked on alcohol because I didn't drink like in high school or growing up really at all um so it was like once I got to college it was like, it was just like a free, like balls to the wall. And I was in a, I was <laughs> in a sorority at my school and it was a smaller like Greek life. And so like surprisingly, like drinking at my, at, in my sorority was very frowned upon. So I was, I was the drunk girl and I was always in trouble. And I almost think that that like made me want to drink more and like made me want to act out. Like I had kind of established an image for myself as like, the drunk, the drunk, loud girl, the outspoken girl, the girl that's like drunk on bid day and shouldn't be, but is going to get called to standards. And like, I was <laughs> always in tr- like, it wasn't like my school, like wasn't as accepted, like the Greek life, definitely. Well, for stories, for yeah. stories are different issue, of course. Um, but it, it definitely, I think was almost the opposite where I just, I wanted to, I wanted to be that party girl. And so I, that's like, and then once I got that image, it was like, okay, well, I'm stuck with it. <laughs> totally. I mean, it's it's an identity. Oh, for sure. I had the same thing. You know, I I I wanted to do a sorority, but my grades were shit. So I just I had a lot of girlfriends in them, and instead, I did. I was a big sister for a fraternity, and you know that was also you know a breeding ground. Just oh. constant alcohol in and out of the house, planning parties, being around that environment, trying to keep up with the guys. But it was really important to me. And, you know, I started a little earlier, probably at like 15 freshmen in high school and kind of established that identity of like the party girl, the girl that you call to get the invite or, you know, at the bar, I know the bouncer so you can cut the line kind of thing. Right. It felt, it felt powerful. It felt like, you know, you, you kind of get to be this like mini celebrity or, or popular, you know, whatever you want to call it but it it does give you something outside of I think just the drinking in itself you know it gives you this sense of power and this sense of control I agree I definitely think that you're somebody you know and then I think eventually you know the the fun becomes fun and and bad times and eventually kind of even keels to where there's not a lot of fun anymore. Right. <laughs> it's just mostly bad. And you can't understand why. 
because you, you're still associating the drinking with good times. You're like, this time's going to be fun. This time's going to be okay. I'm going to handle it this time. I'm not going to lash out. I'm not going to get drunk and, and black out. I'm not going to drive. And then it all happens again. And it becomes this like fight for, for power over like, I, I can do this. Right. Oh, for but sure. You can't. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's where I got. But as somebody who is, you know, exploring and, and new to the alcohol-free lifestyle, with what's going on in the world today, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we're in the middle of a civil rights movement, everything is, you know, locked down, things are, you know, high paranoia, where people are wearing masks, people are not talking to each other, like this, the world is completely different than what it was, you know, six months ago. And how do you think that has played into your alcohol-free journey? Do you think it's been a blessing in disguise that you've had so much time alone at home or do you think it makes it harder? You know, is it, is, is there any relationship there? I, I think so. So I, I got alcohol free, um, a co- like a couple weeks into when the pandemic got really bad. So I was spending, you know, the first, first handful of weeks, like really drinking. And it was kind of, I was at home. I was bored. There was, I mean, I, I, lo- I lost my job during the pan or during the COVID. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, yeah. I have all this time, like what better to do than drink? And then it was, it was a few weeks after that, that I realized, okay, I can't do it anymore and removed alcohol from my life. So I, I do think that, the pandemic itself has been was kind of a blessing in disguise uh, because it really did force me to reevaluate my drinking habits. And then once I decided to remove alcohol from my life, I had all this time. So I was able to dive into books and podcasts, um, the thousand hours dry community. Like I was able to really explore my resources because I had so much time on my hands, um, mm-hmm. which has been super, super like powerful in keeping my life alcohol free. Um, and in the civil rights movement, I think just all together, like being able to be alcohol free and live through all of this has been so very outspoken. And I would say whatever's on my mind, drunk or sober. Um, but now it's like, I have a very clear head and I can really use my voice in the most appropriate and educational way that I can. Um, well, of course, you know, spewing out whatever I want, but like making it, making it more meaningful than just the drunk girl ranting on Twitter again. Like it's somebody who's actually, you know, thinking about what they're saying. So I think it's been honestly, like in some ways, like a blessing, um, in disguise for me, really. Yeah. I'm, I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, we've all known and have seen, you know, alcohol prices and sales have gone through the roof. I know a lot of people who are drinking more than usual just because, like you said, boredom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's nothing to do where everybody's kind of in this heightened state of anxiety. When things are going to open, what's going on? Like, is is there going to be a riot near me? Like, it, there's just a lot of instability. And I know for myself, anxiety was a huge part of why I drank. And so to to be back in this uncertain state because I also like got furloughed a couple months ago from my position. So I'm in the process of looking for a new job because my job might not be there anymore. Right. Because of finances. And so, you know, that's 
a scary, a scary unknown thing. And I think it's something that a lot of people might drink over. For you know, sure. You lose your job. And, you know, if you're not in a financially safe place, like that's fucking frightening. No, for sure. Yeah, 100%. But just playing the tape all the way through and remembering, you know, in order to get a new job, you have to, you know, apply places. You have to send out your resumes, your cover letters. You have to, you know, do your research on the company. And then you have to go interview and present yourself. And there's so many steps into getting back into that groove. And you can't do a lot of that when you're hungover or drunk, you know, or you're not going to prioritize it. And then it's going to create this cycle of, I don't have a job. I'm now I have to drink over it. You know, I'm, I'm too hungover in the morning to make this interview. I have to cancel it or, you know, maybe you're writing a cover letter and it's not your best work because your mind is foggy. You have anxiety, you have anxiety, you know, it, there's so many little things. I think people don't realize everyone's just so quick to think I'm anxious. I'm upset. I know that a drink's going to make me feel better. And you're right. Physiologically, alcohol does reduce anxiety temporarily, but in the long run, you're going to wake up with more anxiety. So it's a trade-off, right? you know, and so, and that's, you know, a whole nother podcast, (laughs) you know, about the, the science behind drinking, but it's, I think you, you said it perfectly. Like we have to look at this time as like a complete blessing. I mean, people are waking up to what's going on in the world, not just with, you know, the health crisis and our, our lack of ability to handle it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) the racism that's so apparent that we all knew was going on. Yeah. But, you know, as a white person and, and I have, my siblings are half black, so I'm not even, I've, I've had, and I've witnessed the racism firsthand and Still, you know, I'm not out there. I I can say now I'm doing something about it, but I wasn't doing something about it beforehand. And so it's, it's being true to ourselves and going through this, another, you know, kind of a shame based thing where you're like, I'm accepting I'm a privileged person. Now I'm going to do something about it. Kind of in the same way as I have a problem with drinking. I'm going to do something about it. For sure. Exactly. But I would say, you know, with the news that just came out with the American Cancer Association or society, excuse me, um, that was pretty shocking news. They had put out, I don't know if you had read, but um, they had updated their, their, I'd say guidelines, preventions kind of a thing to say that they recommend <laughs> avoiding alcohol I did see in order to that. prevent cancer. I did see that. So... I mean, we're definitely living in a time of change. That is, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think people who are outside of the alcohol-free community are going to really understand what that means because, you know, big alcohol is a thing. Like, you want to call me a conspiracy theorist, whatever. You know, just like big tobacco, it's a trillion-dollar industry. They've got their hands on a lot of people's pockets. You know. It goes way back to politicians, CEOs. It's all about money. Oh, yeah. You know, at the end of the day. And for 
the American Cancer Society to put out some a statement like that, like avoid alcohol, not moderation, not, you know, drink on the weekends or have one or two to say, don't drink like that, you know, they're going to piss a lot of people off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're a trusted name. So it's, you know, for for those of us who are so health conscious, because I'm like you, like, I am a personal trainer, I'm certified, I, I'm not a big runner. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm big into Pilates, I'm big into indoor spin, like, anything that gets my body moving, you know, that's my new kind of addiction. Right. No, yeah, me, I feel that. But when you when you become this person who has a wellness lifestyle, and you see something like that, like, okay, we're avoiding alcohol. That, that makes sense. Like, just like avoiding cigarettes. Like, I don't, and it, it's crazy how in the wellness world, that association still isn't made. We have drunk yoga. Oh, yeah. We have like people getting alcohol after, you know, CrossFit or after flag football and stuff. And I, I don't, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear your take on it, I, but it's, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe like, not realizing. how oblivious um, I was to all of it when I was drinking. Like it didn't like, oh, a wind down Wednesday spin class, like didn't make me feel weird. It was just like, oh, okay. But now that I'm like alcohol free, I'm like, that is so stupid. Like, I, like come up with something clever, like give people kombucha mm-hmm. after class or give people, I don't know, Gatorade or something that's like actually like better for them than alcohol. And I, I, I never really realized how connected like the fitness and wellness industry is with alcohol until I quit drinking. And it is like, in some, like, I I don't know how to explain it besides, and I I find it to be very hypocritical. Um, And I am definitely one that was definitely a huge hypocrite in the, I would rave about how I just got super drunk and I'm hung up class like look at me I'm so cool um and then once and then it was like okay first of all I'm destroying my body by getting so drunk and then I'm going to work out which is with a body that's not hasn't been fueled properly is very dehydrated which is just destroying my body again um Mm -hmm. and so I yeah no that's definitely something that I am slowly starting to like realize like oh like some of these things are really messed up or like putting this and that together. Like you don't need to, like people want to go to spin because they want to go to spin. They're not going for the wine after. And yeah. it just seems like a very, and like, I have noticed when I've gone to workout classes that provide you um, alcohol after there's never a non-alcohol a beverage to have. I mean, besides water, but it's not like they're like, Oh, here's wine down Wednesday. Here's wine or maybe a alcohol free wine for people who don't want to drink. It's just, here's wine. And I, I like I think that there would be ways to make like incorporated if a company really felt like it was necessary, but appealing to people who aren't drinking or people who are pregnant and can't drink or people mm-hmm. who like I just I do think it's a, and it's almost like a shove down the throat. Like I when I've gone to some classes that provide alcohol after it's like 
right when you walk out of the door, it's right there front and center for you. And it's not, and it's just like, I, like, I would so much rather be getting something else after spin class or like a granola bar. Like if you're going to spend money to give people treats after class, like at least make it like, I don't know, like more in line with health and wellness. Totally. I mean, as, as a personal trainer and someone, you know, I've had to study a lot about the body and a lot about nutrition, the that hour after you work out, your body is in this state where it basically you're absorbing whatever it is you're putting in your body like 10 times the rate versus, you know, just eating regular breakfast when you wake up. Right. Like your body is taking everything in. So if you come from a workout class or you get home from the gym and the first thing you go to do is pour that glass of wine or whiskey, or have a beer, like that your body is absorbing all those toxins, all those carcinogenics, all those carbs, all, all the calories, you know, it's, you might as well be grabbing a freaking Coke. Right. Like, <laughs> right. it's just, we, we, we use it as a reward. It's so funny how, how marketing has just created this, oh, you know, you've just done this really hard thing, this spin class, this uh, Pilates class now here's some champagne to celebrate. Here's, you know, some wine to celebrate. Like, but to me, it's like the spin class in itself is a celebration. Like the fact that I just fucking did that for 45 minutes and I'm like sweating profusely and I feel so euphoric. Right. That's my reward. Right. That's what, like, I don't think that alcohol needs to be paired with exercise because exercise is already giving you that escape and the endorphins and the high that maybe alcohol would give you. And so like when I do like when I do see companies doing it, I'm almost like, are you not like, do you not believe in your services and your products that you're selling that you need to throw alcohol into the mix? Or do you not believe that they're good enough that people like, do you think that's going to drive people to come to your class more? Because if so, maybe you should reevaluate your class or what you're doing or the products that you're putting in your um, lobby or like whatever it is. I, it's almost like you, like people aren't going to a workout class for the wine or the champagne. Well, the thing is, I think some people are. And the reason is, you know, you're going you're to have your hardcore people. Like I've, I've gone to soul cycle at 9am on a Saturday and it's not my favorite because it's fucking yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I know that there are people, they're the diehards, you know, that's what they do. I know people who do two days and go from spin to Pilates class, like right back to back, just savages. They're not going there, obviously, for the snacks, for the events, for the wine. The marketing is for those, you know, those people that are kind of the group honors, the class passers, the in and outers, yeah. you know, and they, maybe the, the people that are not avid exercisers, they're more into the party scene. They're more into the just being social in general. Right. And I think that you're, it's kind of that enticing, oh, well, you know, like spin class doesn't sound very great, but like yeah. wine with my friends afterwards That's very does. True. So yeah, you get this, you get this new target audience. That's very which, true. Uh, coming from a marketing perspective, I mean, it's genius. Yeah. Great. We, we got it. But what I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too, is like every studio that does that, like, how can you say you're promoting wellness? Every wellness influencer like I've as a Pilates studio operator and somebody who used to work in the PR industry and would work you know one-on-one with influencers I 
and I've never obviously said anything to them because it's a professional relationship, but just sometimes I I remember looking at these one influencers who were like, all right, we're going to go live and we're going to talk about mental health and, and we're going to drink wine. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like I was so close to just messaging them like from my like professional account and being like, how can you go on and talk about like living with anxiety and depression and, and you're coping as you're drinking wine. Like I, I get it, but like, what? Like, yeah, I think I just want to, I, I want to call people out. Like you're not a wellness influencer. Yeah. I think I definitely, I definitely fell into that like wellness influencer, but also like very heavily drinking um, category for, for quite a long time. Like I found my love for running, but then I was also still, drinking excessively and even like as I moved to Dallas that was still and I got more into like the fitness community and group classes and trying to kind of establish more of a influency like Instagram I was like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I am on like I'm sharing about my mental health struggles my exercise routines but I and I'm like destroying my body. Like it, I think once I got alcohol free, I was realizing like, that's not the stuff that I want to be promoting. Like, I don't want to be promoting, get as blackout drunk as you can and then go to a workout class. Like I, like, I, I don't know. I definitely, I see that a lot with other influencers too. And it's just like, Oh man, like I, I used to be one of those. And like it, it's almost just disheartening because it's just like, like if I knew what I know now, if I would have known what I know now. <laughs> I mean, of right. course. But it, it's just, it's the validation. It scares me that that all their followers are seeing, you know, if, they, if, if their followers are people who are maybe struggling with anxiety and depression or body images or substance abuse, and they're seeing these people that they really admire and they're saying, oh, well, you know, they're drinking alcohol and they're working out and they're handling their anxiety and stuff. Everything's fine, but they're only seeing the highlight reel. You know, they're not seeing these girls breaking down, crying, maybe self-harming, maybe, you know, throwing up after they're eating. Like there's so much behind the scenes that people don't understand. And so it really irks me when I see people who are supposed to be you know, these pillars of the wellness and, and, and health community, and they're promoting drinking a toxin. It, it just, like, why don't we just promote smoking cigarettes? Like, well, while all right, let's it, throw that one in there, know. too. <laughs> like, you know, I really want to go to spin class and then just, like, red yeah. the cig. Like, no. That's what I'm looking forward and people, to. <laughs> people, people think it's so, you know, bizarre, but I, I just like to remind them, you know, nobody thought cigarettes 60 years ago were bad for you people were smoking when they were pregnant you could smoke inside like it it was like I can't even I can't even make it equivalent to anything now because people don't do anything as much as they smoke back then (laughs) you know and you could you if you could time travel and go back and tell those people like this is giving you cancer this is killing you this is you know doing x y and z to your body they would have laughed in your face just the same way that people, when you come with this more extreme approach of like anti-alcohol, 
you know, oh, that, you know, that's not true. Or it's, it's not as bad as cigarettes, you know, it's fine. You know, I don't drink that much. There's, there's all this, you know, there's all these validations for it. But now with what the American Cancer Society has come out with, it's kind of like, it's such a big win, I think, for our community, because it's, it's finally a little bit of validation behind, you know what, it's fucking scary that women who drink even moderately have a higher risk i think it's something like 30 percent. you got to fact check me of getting breast cancer than women who don't drink yeah you know and the fact that it could be mouth esophagus stomach colon you know it it there's just it's it it's is scary. So scary yeah and i think that that is what it comes down to is it's too normal and what what we want to do with 1000 hours, you know, dry is we just want to normalize not drinking. Like, let's get to a place where, like we're at now with cigarettes, people still smoke cigarettes. We all know it. You can smell it. (laughs) It's It's there. there. And you're you're not running around slapping cigarettes out of people's hands. But it's it's unattractive. They know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. You can't do it inside. You know, there, there are places you can do it. It's, it's a bad habit. People know it's a bad habit. Nobody's going around bragging about, oh, I smoked 10 cigarettes today. <laughs> right. You know? No, yeah. Like, like genuinely. And I, I think genuinely I believe in my heart that we can get to a place where the same kind of thought is, is had about alcohol. Like, oh, you know, like, sure. If you want to have one in, in a while, whatever but it, it's just kind of like why why would you why right I definitely I definitely wish and believe that hopefully we'll get to a place where it's like saying no to a drink is just as like normal as saying no to a cigarette like it's not like oh why are you not drinking or oh are you pregnant or whatever it is it's just like oh okay like you don't okay like that like I feel like it, it's still like such a big deal if you're like I'm not having a drink or I'm not drinking um, and people just assume that there's like an issue, even if you just don't want to drink. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, are, are you super Christian? Yeah. <laughs> are you pregnant? Are you know, like, and, and even, oh, are you sober? Like, oh, did you have a problem? Like, that right. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 bottom line, like, am I asking you, like, oh, why do you, why are you right. drinking? Did you have a did bad, you have day? bad day? Like, do you not, do, do you dislike yourself inside? <laughs> like, do you want me to psychoanalyze you inside? I will. I'll do it. And I do it to my boyfriend <laughs> and he hates it. Because I, I date somebody who drinks and it's so that's, and that's a big part of that. You know, like we're, we are the minority. Yeah. Oh, for sure we are. You know, I have my sober friends, but they're not the, they're not the yeah. majority. I'm, I have an uncle who's sober, but all my all my family my boyfriend most of my close friends drink so it's 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 hard to have such a strong opinion about something and really really be passionate about it and and knowing your know and to really know you know in your in your heart that what you're fighting for is real and it's not like oh like Stevie Wonder kind of <laughs> right. like, like oh okay maybe but like the, and this is, this is so real and this is so powerful and to watch people you love around you drinking. It's so hard yeah. sometimes. You're just like, Oh, 
please don't right. do that. Right. But, but I feel like we're getting I there. do think so. So, I mean, I kind of, I just, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But I, I want you, as somebody who is, you know, closer to where you started, what what would you say to somebody who is, you know, sober curious or maybe kind of in and out or just, you know, they're, they're considering going alcohol-free even sure. for a little bit? Oh man, I've thought about this a lot. Um, I, I would say that there is definitely a reason why you're considering going alcohol free, whether, um, you just don't like being hung over, you have really bad anxiety, maybe something, um, traumatic happened. Not, I mean, that's not always the case. Some people just don't want to quit yeah. drinking just because they maybe don't like alcohol or whatever it is there, but there is there is some curiosity as to what your life would be like if you didn't drink. And I would wholeheartedly tell somebody that's sober curious to just try it out and go for it. Um, I, I, I thought that there, I would have no life after I removed alcohol and that I'd be this boring hermit crab that just never left the house, which I mean, I guess since I did it over quarantine, I haven't left the house very much, but um, (laughs) um, I just, it's really not the case. And I have been blown away by the sober community on Instagram. And just even like, I have gone to, I think one restaurant since they've opened and I ordered a mocktail and it wasn't weird. I was very nervous about Mm -hmm. removing alcohol because I wanted to fit in and I didn't want to be an outcast. I didn't want to be that weird girl that wasn't drinking. Um, But I, I mean, I, I just, my body could not handle alcohol. And so I had to make a decision that I knew was something that I should have probably even done before. But I, I would just say Mm -hmm. that if you're sober curious or you want to remove alcohol to just try it and see what your life is like. And that the, like you'll receive an overwhelming amount of support. And even if you don't tell anybody, like it's your business, you don't have to broadcast it to Facebook or Instagram. Um, I do think it's super helpful to tell close friends Mm -hmm. or tell your boyfriend or your husband or your parents or whoever is your support system that you're doing it. Because I think that that's really helped me um, is just having, if I didn't have, my support system, it it would be a lot harder. Um, Yeah. But I would say like, there's a reason why you're thinking about removing alcohol and you should, you should explore, you should explore that relationship because it's definitely, it's definitely worth exploring if you're having curiosity about it. I, I couldn't agree more. And if, if there's one thing I've learned, you know, I'm almost four years alcohol free. Is that nobody right. fucking cares? <laughs> like, it, genuinely, most people are self-centered and worried about what they're doing. I, I, I think there, there are people that I've been around here, like where I live, for six months to a year, that never even knew that I didn't drink, because I always had like a red cup in my hand, or I was drinking a mocktail, like you said, or maybe I had an alcohol right. for beer. You know, and, and then they later on somehow, you know, maybe they offer me a shot and I'm like, no, no, you know, I'm good. I don't, I don't drink. Like, Wait, <laughs> like I, you're, you're always at the party. You're always doing this and that. And it's like, you, you, you're as much fun as you want to be. You're as comfortable as, as you allow yourself to be. And you know, that, that takes time. And I, that's why I always recommend like going and seeing a therapist, 
if you if you think you might be chemically imbalanced, going and yeah. seeing a psychiatrist. Like, there's nothing wrong. I literally see. I, I both see, do. I have both. <laughs> like, I have both. I read a lot of self help books. Like, I'm the first one yeah. to ask for help. Like, right out the bat. But just don't let people judging you hold you back from you know maybe trying thousand right. hours dry or trying th- 30 days or trying a week because like worst case scenario like you can yeah. go have a drink yeah I mean you're, you're not hy- yeah no, no one's gonna stop you at the end of the day and I, I think that's such a good point exactly that, like, literally nobody cares like I I yeah like no. I was kind of surprised, like, surprised that more people weren't like oh my god you're like the party girl's not drinking anymore it's like literally nobody cares <laughs> the, the best part about it is is the overwhelming positive stuff like you know all the people that were you know I I had removed a lot of people from that past life that I had but all of the all of the new people that I met were like oh that's so cool like I wish I I wish I couldn't I didn't have to drink or you know and and you want to say like you you could but you (laughs) You don't don't go there there. (laughs) or 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 the oh well you know like I don't I I don't normally drink this much just you know like and it's like they have to explain to you because you think you're that they're right. judging that. Like I'm I don't care I don't care yeah, if you're like, bad, I, I don't care if you drink, but, but yeah. Exactly. But I've I've I have found maybe besides like one incident, an overwhelming like positive experience with this. And then you get to be that person that everybody likes because you're not in the drama. Like people think that they're having these great conversations yeah. with you. <laughs> like they leave the party and they're like, oh my gosh, like I remember when I met all of my boyfriend's friends for the first time. They're like, oh, my God, we love your girlfriend. She's so nice, all this stuff. It's like I, I just had to sit there and listen to drunk people. And then they <laughs> right. think they're great. I don't even hardly have to engage. But I'm, not, but I'm not in it. I'm not in any of the drama. I'm not in any of what's going on. You just become this kind of like Netherlands. And it's, it's yeah, very I've already nice. kind of realized that. And I'm like, oh, it's such a, like, yeah. such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Exactly. So, like, come to the Netherlands side. We have, we have mocktails. They're just as cute. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Maria, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media, and then we will. Perfect. Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram at um, my at name is at m snazzy. Um, m is in Maria, and then snazzy. I'm not really sure what it stands for. I made it in high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. And I know you're a co-host for a thousand hours dry. So what day do you I host on Mondays? All right. Rad. So make sure to follow Maria, make sure to follow 1000 hours dry and make sure to follow us on whichever application that you're listening to us on and tell your friends. All right. Bye guys.